May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Some of you know that the name of the church where I served as rector before coming here was St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Sun Valley. Thomas was our patron saint. And some of you also know that I went to high school in South India, and it is believed that Thomas brought the gospel to South India and is the patron saint of that church in that part of the country. I also want you to know that I'm someone who doesn't mind questioning my faith. Thomas questioned deeply, and Thomas loved fully. And that's why his story is told across the ages. If you listen closely to Thomas's story, you will hear currents of grace and gratitude and generosity running through it. If you listen closely to Thomas's story, you may even hear elements of your own story. The love of God, revealed powerfully in the risen Christ, reorders our disorder and opens pathways of grace we never imagined. At St. Michael Church, we are on a journey that began in the fall. We began with grace, we deepened in gratitude, and now we are exploring the landscape of generosity. And we invite you to join us every Sunday this Easter season as we think about how generosity can change our lives and change our church. Now, I don't need to belabor the story of Thomas because most people know it well. Even those who are not followers of Christ know that term, doubting Thomas. It's part of our cultural lexicon. But if doubt is all that we know about Thomas, then it's an impoverished story indeed. Thomas is a practical man, a man of action. When Jesus teaches something that doesn't make sense, Thomas questions him. When Jesus gets ready to go toward the cross, Thomas is ready to fight for him. Thomas is someone you want in your circle of friends. Late on the day of the resurrection, when Thomas was not present, Jesus appeared to the other disciples and said, Peace be with you. And acknowledging his full humanity, he showed them the holes in his hands and the hole in his side. And John tells us that the disciples rejoiced when they saw Jesus. But then Jesus went on to say, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And this may sound comforting, but it's filled with foreboding. If Jesus was crucified for embodying the love of God, then the followers of Christ can expect a difficult path. I imagine that the disciples did rejoice in seeing Jesus, but they also began to wonder, what kind of cross awaits me? And then, in this wonderfully human part of the story, Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. And I love this because in John, the giving of the Holy Spirit happens right after the resurrection in an intimate setting with the disciples. And in the Acts of the Apostles written by Luke, it comes at Pentecost, 50 days later, with loads of people gathered. And I love these differences in the stories because it suggests that the coming of the Holy Spirit is not limited to one time. It's not limited to one group. It's for all time. It's for all people. Every day, Jesus breathes on us and fills us with his life-giving spirit. So later, when the disciples are trying to bring Thomas up to speed about what happened, 
Thomas says, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. And my question for you today is, is that doubt or is that simply a burning desire to see Jesus? The next week when everyone is gathered together, including Thomas, Jesus appears and says, peace be with you. The same greeting. And then he turns to Thomas and he says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Do you notice that Jesus gives Thomas exactly what he needs? At this point, Thomas doesn't even need to touch Jesus. Filled with grace and gratitude, Thomas offers the highest acclamation of Christ's divinity in the Gospels, my Lord and my God. In this statement, Jesus is not just a suffering servant. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Thomas refers to Jesus the same way that the ancient Israelites referred to Yahweh. God and Christ are one. Although Thomas isn't mentioned again in the gospel accounts, we know from early Christian legends that he brought the gospel to North Africa and to India. While the other disciples stayed closer to home, Thomas launched out. He took Jesus seriously when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Grace and gratitude and generosity run through this story like a river and it runs through our lives as well. I suggest that the grace of God is everywhere. It's the air we breathe. In this story, it's found in the appearances of Jesus, his promises of peace, his gift of the Holy Spirit, and his care for Thomas. Grace is everywhere. Gratitude arises when our egos find their proper place and we can see how much of life is a gift. We do not have to be the center of attention. The disciples were grateful that Jesus was alive and Thomas was grateful that Jesus didn't forget him. Generosity springs naturally out of gratitude. When we experience life as a gift, we can't help but share that gift with others. The disciples generously shared their experience with Thomas. Jesus generously shared his risen body with the disciples. And Thomas generously cried out, my Lord and my God. Generosity is the natural outgrowth of gratitude. Grace begets gratitude, begets generosity. One flows into the other and back again. One of my wife's favorite authors is Tara Brock. And we were talking about my sermon over breakfast this week. And Rachel said, Tara Brock has something to say about that. And I always listen when my wife tells me to read a book. And here is what Miss Brock, a specialist in meditation and psychotherapy, has to say. Gratitude is like breathing in, letting ourselves be touched by the goodness in others and in the world. Generosity is like breathing out, sensing our mutual belonging and offering our care. When we are awake and whole, breathing in and out happens naturally. But these beautiful expressions of the heart become blocked when we are dominated by the fear and grasping of our survival brain. I love this image of breathing in being gratitude and breathing out being generosity. What that seems to say is it's utterly natural. If we are whole, if we are sound, that's simply how the spirit works. 
One depends on the other. And then I love the tie-in between that quote and Jesus breathing on the disciples. And I'd like you to imagine for a moment that the Holy Spirit was revealed in the gratitude and the generosity of that breathing. I've been on the lookout for gratitude and generosity in the midst of this health crisis. I've been looking for it in my own heart. I look for it in my family. I look for it in those who pass me on the sidewalk, and I look for it in social media. And I'm discovering that the more I look for it, the more I find it. So personally, I've found generosity in people dropping off bags of groceries at St. Michael and the Alto drivers coming along and taking those bags to Jubilee Park and the gratitude coming from our friends at Jubilee. I've seen generosity in our communications team working hard to make worship and formation available on a digital platform and gratitude from our live stream viewers for feeling connected in the spirit with us. And then I decided, I want to make this an experiment. I want to write on Facebook and ask my friend group, where are you seeing gratitude and generosity? I actually didn't know if anybody would respond. I received over 55 responses of gratitude and generosity in people's lives. And I'd like to share some tidbits with you from around the world. I'm grateful for sunshine and naps and appreciate the generosity of those who are making masks for others. I'm grateful for my daughter's backyard wedding and appreciate the generosity of all those who logged in on Zoom to witness it. I'm grateful for this precious time with my husband and appreciate the generosity of my niece's best friend who is an ICU nurse and left her hometown in Kansas City to serve on the front lines in New Orleans. I'm grateful for being forced to lean on spiritual principles in a time when life feels out of control and appreciate the generosity of my neighbor who leaves out hand sanitizer for the package delivery people. I'm grateful that the birdhouse on our porch has new occupants, and I appreciate the generosity of those who are volunteering to shop for those in high-risk categories. I'm grateful for the St. Michael podcast, and this was my favorite, and appreciate the husbands who are learning to color their wives' hair. I'm grateful for Compline with Chris, and appreciate the generosity of musicians who are playing us and singing us through this difficult time. I'm grateful for being able to draw a full breath. I appreciate the generosity of a teacher who developed a special package of learning materials for my eight-year-old autistic son and delivering those materials to our front porch. Gratitude and generosity are all around us if we have the eyes to see them. Who are you in today's gospel story? Are you a fearful disciple hiding behind locked doors? Are you a peace-filled Jesus bringing hope and healing to your friends? Are you a struggling Thomas, unwilling to settle for anything less than true encounter with Jesus? Are you the breath of the Holy Spirit inhaling gratitude and exhaling generosity wherever you go? This pandemic has much to teach us, and I hope that a major lesson will be gratitude for life's gifts and generosity toward those who need it most. Amen.